President Biden has finally responded to mounting evidence of his public corruption involving multi-million dollar bribes by Ukrainian oligarch Mykola Zlochevsky, owner of Burisma, a man who, according to an FBI informant, referred to Biden as the big guy in the bribery scheme. Lots of evidence, serious allegations. Here's Joe Biden's response. Why did they ask such a dumb question? Why did they ask such a dumb question? Huh? Why are you such a big, fat, ugly, stupid head? Huh? I'm rubber and you were glue, Jack. Na 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 na. If I didn't already think Biden was guilty before, and to be clear, I very much did think that he was guilty before. I certainly would now. He's got no answer. He's got basically no defense. And the crazy thing about our political system is, probably won't matter. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. This episode's brought to you by Good Ranchers. Get great meat at a secure price, 30 bucks off your order with my code Knowles. Go to GoodRanchers.com, use code Knowles today. A lot of new presidential candidates in the race, and they're, they're raising a lot of important points, not about who's ultimately going to win or become president, but about the way the political system works, including Cornell West, a radical leftist who seems to have more in common with Trump supporters than he does with Biden supporters. We'll get to that in just a little bit. First, though, Joe Biden actually could lose the first two 2024 presidential contests. I don't say primaries because, you know, some states do caucuses, some states do primaries. They're a little bit of a different system. Biden could lose the first two. And it's for a whole sort of fakakta reason about how Biden wanted the, the primary contests to begin in South Carolina because, one, it's easier to control South Carolina in terms of the Democratic Party machine. But, uh, two, he thinks he's going to do better there than in, say, Iowa and New Hampshire. The party hasn't totally gone along with that. Iowa and New Hampshire are not happy about that. So if Iowa and New Hampshire continue to be the first states, Biden could lose if he doesn't, if he doesn't really campaign there, if he doesn't appear on the ballot there. And if RFK Jr. does campaign there, RFK Jr., who is doing a lot better than, than many people who would challenge an incumbent president. RFK Jr. is polling somewhere between 15 and 20% right now. And RFK could win New Hampshire, could win Iowa, and it still won't matter, but it will be pretty embarrassing for Joe Biden. It won't matter in, in particular because the Democratic Party rigs their nominating contest even more than the Republican Party does. You saw a lot of Bernie bros make this complaint back in 2016, the Democrats have something called superdelegates. So these are party leaders and oligarchs who can come in and place a lot more weight behind one candidate instead of another if the primaries and caucuses start to go in the wrong direction. But it will be embarrassing. And, and RFK Jr.'s candidacy is in no small part to expose the way that our political system and the Democratic Party in particular is rigged. Frankly, that's what Donald Trump's candidacy was about in 2016, and it's what it's about now, is showing how rigged the system is for an oligarchic elite class, which is very liberal, against the, the far greater number of people, the People Party, which is much more conservative. The ruling class has become shameless in the way that they rig 
these sorts of things. You saw a great example of this the other day with Space Force. Space Force, the newest branch of the United States military. Uh, the, the top brass over there at Space Force, that this lieutenant general lady, her name is Deanna M. Burt, openly, not only embracing pride month and pride ideology, not only attacking conservative, duly elected Republican officials in red states, but saying that she would prioritize the availability of gender-affirming care. She would prioritize transgender ideology over qualifications when looking to promote people within that branch of service. Transformational cultural change requires leadership from the top, and we do not have time to wait. Since January of this year, more than 400 anti-LGBTQ plus laws have been introduced at the state level. That number is rising and demonstrates a trend that could be dangerous for service members, their families, and the readiness of the force as a whole. When I look at potential candidates, say for squadron command, I strive to match the right person to the right job. I consider their job performance and relevant experience first. However, I also look at their personal circumstances, and their family is also an important factor. It's a good match for a job does not feel safe being themselves and performing at their highest potential at a given location, or if their family could be denied critical health care due to the laws in that state. I am compelled to consider a different candidate and perhaps less qualified. Perhaps a less qualified candidate. That's how committed I, general woke, am to the trans ideology. Absolutely insane. What she just did here is illegal. It, it violates, presumably it violates all sorts of military regulations because she's politicking while in uniform. And at a broader level, this is almost certainly a Hatch Act violation. She's politicking. As an employee of the government, she is campaigning against Republican governors for instituting Republican policies, duly elected officials. She is, she is implicitly campaigning for Democrats here. And she's saying that she's going to compromise the readiness of the American military to push her insane leftist ideology. So this ridiculous woman certainly should be fired. She should be removed from service. Maybe she should be court-martialed. Her name is Lieutenant General Deanna M. Burt. How this woman ever became a general is beyond me. Uh, but uh, all of the GOP candidates should should focus on this and issues like this in the military. Every GOP candidate should promise to fire this woman the, the moment that they enter office. And they should campaign against this kind of thing because this is not just some school board in San Francisco putting gay porn in the library or whatever. This is a general. This is a lady with a lot of brass on her saying that she will weaken our military. She will consciously weaken our military just so that she can override the desires of the American people in certain states expressed by their duly elected representatives and push transgender ideology, a preposterous anthropology that says that men can really be women. You know, I hate to say I told you so, but this gets back to something that I said at CPAC this year that r raised all sorts of ire on the left and made them lie about me because they were threatened by what I said and the political potential of what I said, which is that 
for the good of society, and especially for the good of the poor people who've fallen prey to this confusion, transgender ideology must be eradicated from public life entirely at every single level. It's not just in the schools. It's not just in Transheiser Bush's woke beer. It's everywhere. It's in the military. It's the top brass. It's in our government. It's all over the place. And if we do not eradicate, rip this ideology out at the roots, say that these premises are not true and we will not establish them in law, then we're going to have ladies like this running our military. Do you think we're ever going to win a war again? I don't think so. I don't, I, it's going to be very hard to attract top talent. It's going to be very hard to have a, a, a really solid fighting force. If the top brass are saying, we don't care about qualifications, we don't care about readiness, all we care about is woke ideology. That's our top priority. How the hell are we supposed to win a war? How are we supposed to protect our country with people like this running our military? We need to protect ourselves when you want to protect your health and when you want to have a delicious meal while you're doing it, when you want to get your iron up and when you want to get a good meal on your table, you got to check out Good Ranchers. Right now, head on over to GoodRanchers.com, code Knowles. This Father's Day, let your dad unleash his inner grill master. Whether he prefers a sizzling steak or savory grilled chicken, look no further than the gift of meat from our friends at Good Ranchers. Good Ranchers also offers a price lock guarantee for the next two years. Imagine if you could have locked in your price two years ago, you would have saved hundreds of dollars. Not sure how to grill the perfect steak? Well, they've got a ton of recipes on their website such as how to cook a steak better than Gordon Ramsay. I'm not sure you'll ever cook a steak better than Michael Knowles. You probably, actually probably will, but you'll never cook a steak better than sweet little Elisa. I absolutely love Good Ranchers' stuff. It is the best meat on the market. The prices cannot be beat. It's much less expensive than the alternatives. The quality is outstanding, and I eat it all the time, and I could not possibly recommend Good Ranchers more highly. Head on over right now to GoodRanchers.com. Make Father's Day a sizzling success. Use code Knowles, K-N-W-L-A-S, for 30 bucks off any box. That is promo code Knowles at GoodRanchers.com. GoodRanchers.com, American meat delivered. GOP candidates certainly should promise to fire that woman. They should make a lot of promises right now. And some of them are playing coy <laughs> with those promises. Uh, Mike Pence, Vice President Mike Pence, is now in the GOP race. He just appeared on the Clay and Buck show, and they pressed him. Clay... Uh, Travis and Buck Sexton pressed Mike Pence on whether or not, if he were elected president, he would pardon Donald Trump should Donald Trump be convicted for this nonsense that the Democrats are attacking him on. Here was Vice President Pence's answer. I just think it's premature to have any conversation about that right now, guys. I really Why would you? But hold on. Let me just ask you that because I, I look, yeah, I think as a matter right. of principle, I think as a matter of principle, if you believe, as as both Buck and I do, that Donald Trump is being prosecuted to a large extent for political-based reasons, something that has never happened in the 240-plus-year history of the United States, that we are setting an awful precedent here. To me, not answering is a no. Well, look, (laughs) number one, I don't think you know what the president's defense is, do you? I mean, what are the facts? I mean, look, we either believe in our judicial process in this country or we don't. We either stand... By the rule of law, we don't. I just uh, what I would tell you is, I think, as someone who but has what, what I'm hearing is, you're fine with Donald Trump being put think, in prison, sir. And that, to me, well, look, since it, you were his vice president, guys, feels guys, pretty disrespectful. Look, I, I had a standard rule. I don't talk about hypotheticals. But look, we don't know what the president's defense here is. I think he's entitled to make his defense. Entitled to have his day in court. I get why Mike Pence is answering this way. I get it. 
I think Mike Pence is a very nice guy. And he knows that Trump destroyed his political career and Trump has attacked him. And I bet Mike Pence doesn't like Donald Trump very much. And I get it. And I think probably Pence thinks that this is the principled position to say, look, we're going to hear this out. We're going to let both sides make their arguments and then we'll see where justice is. I I get it. But this is a terrible look for Pence because no matter how much he hates Trump, Trump right now is the object of the ire of a very, very corrupt liberal establishment who we all know is being not only selectively prosecuted, but intentionally selectively persecuted, now going back seven, eight years, by a justice department that is corrupt. So when when Pence says, we either believe in our justice system or we don't, I think we can all agree that the Department of Justice under Democrat leadership has proven itself to be unworthy of our respect, unworthy of our blind faith. It's proven itself to be corrupt. Going back to 2016, when they made up out of whole cloth an excuse to spy on the campaign of the political opposition, and when they persecuted him for years and years over a bunch of bogus charges, and now that they're going after him and trying to let the man die in prison, first time a a former president has ever been prosecuted on federal charges, certainly the first time a former president who is the current leader of the opposition is being prosecuted. They're going after him for something that Biden did and Hillary Clinton did and Bill Clinton did for that matter. And so I, I get it. I think Mike Pence, I think he's a good guy. I think he's a nice guy. I think he's got plenty of reason to be irritated at Donald Trump. But this prosecution is so obviously unjust. It's a great threat to the American political order. I think he and all the other candidates need to just come out and say, yeah, if somehow they convict Trump, I don't care what that guy did. I don't care if he shot someone on Fifth Avenue. This is deeply unjust. It's a threat to the American political order. And yes, we will certainly pardon him. And we will go after the people who are going after him. I think it would make them look much better. I think actually politically in 2024, it would help them. We now have a new candidate in the race, by the way. It's not just, who, who do we have now? We have DeSantis, Nikki Haley, Vivek Ramaswamy, Tim Scott, Chris Christie, Asa Hutchinson, I guess. Do we have any, do we have any others? Mike Pence and this new guy, uh, Miami mayor. He's, he's going to be the mayor Pete of this race. <laughs> well, actually for a few reasons, he probably will be the mayor Pete of this race, which you will see in a second. Francis Suarez running for president. My dad taught me that you get to choose your battles and I am choosing the biggest one of my life. I'm going to run for president. I'm going to run for your children and mine. Let's give them the future they deserve. It's time to take things into our own hands. It's time to get things started. It's time we get started. Is it is it Francis? I'm not so sure about that. Uh, Francis Suarez, mayor of Miami, he's a, a big lib. <laughs> He's compared to where the GOP is right now. He's just a huge lib. He posted a picture of himself wearing a rainbow. It looks like a beauty pageant sash. Uh, he, he tweets out, quote, June is Pride Month. What began as a statement of defiance against outdated laws now serves as a reminder and commemoration 
of where this movement all began over 50 years ago. This movement that we're all so proud to stand behind, the LGBT LMNOP movement. As mayor of Miami, I stand with the LGBTQ positive community and celebrating all month long. Okay. This wasn't 10 years ago, by the way. This was two years ago. He sent this tweet out. So yeah, I don't think so. I don't, I don't think that's going to work. Complete, complete joke. We're conserving the hard-won rights of the <laughs> transvestites to read books to five-year-olds or something. I don't think so. Total joke of a campaign. <laughs> Not a chance, man. Not good grief. What? I get it. Miami is very gay, so he's, he's pandering to his constituents. But okay, that means you're going to stay in Miami. Or maybe he comes out now and he says, no, actually, I oppose all the rainbow stuff and I don't think we should trans the kids and I'm against all that. Okay, so now you don't believe anything. (laughs) Now I have no reason to believe you have any integrity at all. I don't think so. I don't think, I'll keep an open mind. Maybe I'll interview Mayor uh, Suarez, but not not looking great. Speaking of weird sex stuff, scientists have uh, reportedly created synthetic human embryos without sperm or egg. That's not great. Uh, This, uh, according to a report out now, report says that uh, the the, the scientists are referring to it as synthetic embryos, but these are not truly synthetic in the sense that they're not created from scratch. They're created from stem cells. And he said they're doing this because if you want to understand really what's going on as embryos develop normally or when things go wrong early or leading to a miscarriage or certain congenital disorders, for example, Uh, then people have had to use embryos that are donated for research, which are left over after in vitro fertilization. So let me translate that clinical gobbledygook into reality. People are giving their children over to these uh, quack doctors to poke and prod and test things out on until they ultimately destroy them. Uh, the, The embryos created for in vitro fertilization are human beings. They're human persons who are created by people who undergo an immoral process to create their babies. And then a result of this, and I know a lot of people engage in this process, and a lot of them don't even pay any thought to what the process looks like. They just think about their children who come out at the end of this process, and they love their children. And so they say, okay, whatever it took to create these children is worthwhile. And no, you can value good ends of processes without justifying the immoral means that, that it took to get them. And the immoral means here is IVF. And so they say, when we want to experiment on little tiny babies, little embryos, we usually have to do it by taking them from parents who don't want the rest of their kids. But now, now we get something even better, which is we, we can create these, these human embryos from scratch or almost from scratch, and then we can test things out on them. It reminded me of, of an article I just saw in the Daily Wire. 3,000-year-old mummy offered as human sacrifice discovered in Peru. You read that and you say, wow, it's pretty amazing how they know it was offered as a sacrifice. Okay, because maybe some of the ritual stuff around it. And uh, isn't that crazy? People used to have human sacrifice. And then you read stories about weird cults that still exist in different parts of the world today, and some of which still practice human sacrifice. You say, man, that's so weird. We live in modern, fancy society where we have iPhones and stuff. And, and isn't that crazy that in other primitive societies, they used to sacrifice human beings? And then you read stories like that like the scientist embryo story, and you realize, oh, right, we still do that. In fact, we, we practice more human sacrifice today than any people ever throughout all of human history. We practice it through abortion, which kills about 800,000 little babies per year, and sacrifices them to the gods of career and money and individuality. And, and we also 
sacrifice little babies on the altar of science and progress and to, to give ourselves greater fortune and health. Well, we have to sacrifice the babies. We have to create these babies and sacrifice these pure little babies because then we might discover the cure to an illness that affects us and maybe we'll get to live for another six months or six years, who knows, maybe a long time. We, we, keep, we keep doing the same thing. And the reason we keep doing it is that human nature never changes. And the reason that we don't even realize that we're doing it is because human nature never changes. And it, it's very easy to delude ourselves about the, the immorality of the things that we engage in when we think that we're going to get some kind of a material benefit for it. We've been doing that for all of human history, and we do it still today. And we, we, we flatter ourselves that we're so advanced now that we don't do it anymore. We are so advanced now. We're much more advanced than these primitive tribes. And the scary part is the more advanced we get, the more wickedness we engage in. We can also engage perhaps in more good, but when we engage in evil stuff, we can do so to a far greater degree than some random tribesmen in 1000 BC Peru. We got to talk about these things. When you want to talk to your friends, you got to check out Pure Talk. Right now, head on over to puretalk.com slash Knowles, a company that I'm proud to stand behind because they are proud to stand behind us and our country, and they offer a great service, is Pure Talk. Veteran-owned with 100% American workforce, they share our values. That is why Pure Talk is the official cell phone wireless partner of The Daily Wire, but that is not the only reason. Pure Talk also happens to be the most dependable 5G network in the U.S., a top-tier provider at a fraction of the cost of those other woke companies, you know, the ones I'm talking about, ATT, Verizon, T-Mobile, companies that don't care about you or your values. Mix and match your plans to fit every person in your family. Choose from talk, text, and 5G data for just 20 bucks a month, all the way up to unlimited data with a mobile hotspot for $55 a month. I guarantee you that is much less than you're paying for that kind of service right now. When you go to puretalk.com slash Knowles, you will save an additional 50% off your first month because they actually value you. Head on over to puretalk.com slash Knowles. Pure Talk Wireless by Americans for Americans. As you may know, we have been in an ongoing battle with some of the biggest social media platforms out there. Last month, Mr. Walsh was demonetized on YouTube. Then Candace and I were both suspended by YouTube for seven days. Uh, then even Jordan Peterson was given a channel warning. Most of these so-called violations stemmed from our coverage of the transgender inanity that the libs keep pushing on us. And we were expected to, to push transgenderism. We were expected to, when discussing it, embrace transgender ideology. There are lots of constantly changing rules, but we were told if you discuss this issue, you have to do so from a neutral position, which doesn't exist, or from the pro-trans position. And I can't do that because I will not lie on behalf of YouTube or anyone else. These rules contradict everything that we stand for. So we're not going to stop speaking the truth. We're not going to allow these libs to restrict us from reaching the audiences that need to hear this debate the most. As our CEO, the God King Jeremy Boring, recently tweeted, quote, if platforms like YouTube believe in free speech, then they must change these vague and capricious policies and their arbitrary enforcement. In the meantime, we will keep fighting and speaking truth wherever we can. It has become quite clear that we cannot rely on many third-party sites to support us. Daily Wire Plus is the best platform for you to find content that is free from big tech's vague guidelines. If you believe in our work and in fighting for the ability to debate some of the biggest cultural issues facing us today, now is the time to join us. What are you waiting for? Sign up today. You will get 25% off your Daily Wire Plus membership. Go to dailywireplus.com slash subscribe 
and join the fight. Speaking of technology, big tech platforms in our dystopian future, Elon Musk, CEO of Twitter and many other platforms and companies rather, uh, says that we need not fear the cyborg future because the cyborgs are already here. We are already cyborgs, according to Elon. He says, we're already cyborgs. Our memory is overwhelmingly outsourced to computers. They remember everything with extreme precision down to the pixel. Our thinking is much less outsourced as there are still many things we can do that AI cannot for now. It's a really important insight because yes, we're all afraid of the chip going into our brain, getting plugged into the matrix, wearing some stupid headset or whatever and walking around like robots. But in many ways, we already are cyborgs. How much of your day do you spend like this? looking up important information, communicating with people through this. It's true you just hold this phone device in your hand, but would it really be all that different if the phone were just stitched to your hand? Would your life really be all that different? How about people who wear the iWatch? How about people, well, no one really wears those stupid goggles yet, but soon people will. How much of your day are you focused on these things? And how much do you rely on them for? And what does that do to your humanity? I remember when I was in high school, I was told that we are more knowledgeable than Socrates. That we today, because we have all this information at our fingertips, Socrates didn't have that. We're smarter than Aristotle, aren't we? No, of course not. We're much stupider than Aristotle. Because as we've come to rely on this technology, we memorize things less. That's Elon's point. And when we memorize things less, We just are less conscious. This is why it's really important. I highly recommend you take a moment, memorize a poem, memorize some some lines of a play or something like that. It's a really important exercise because then you'll be able to recall information. When you encounter a work of art, let's say in a museum, you you see a guy in a hair shirt eating bugs. You, You can know, you can remember that that is probably referring to John the Baptist because you've read something else. You've read the Bible, and you've seen other works of art. You've, you've actually engaged with this yourself. The, the alternative to that is we outsource all of our memorization, and to some degree, we outsource our thinking to computers. And then we just deprive ourselves of culture and humanity, and we become basically nothing other than consumers, which is what the ruling class wants us to be. That's what the corporations want us to be, that's what our political masters want us to be. That's what, that's what the people at the top want us to be. They want us to be mindless consumers. And this is something that's pushed not just by the left, it's also pushed by the right. The right that has made an idol out of, say, the free market and consumer choice, the right that has put that cart before the horse, they've done that too. And I think, I think of when, when I have a moment free, what do I want to do? I want, I want to smoke a cigar, maybe. I want to have a drink, maybe. I, I also want to strum my ukulele or play some other musical instrument. I also want to read a book. I also want to maybe paint. I'm a very bad painter, but I kind of like doing it. And I don't even have that many hobbies. People used to have much more serious hobbies. I have relatively few hobbies. But many people have fewer hobbies even than I do. And so what we become in that case is just passive consumers. And I, I strongly suspect that the uptick in depression the uptick in alienation that people feel in society is because of that, because they're not engaged in human pursuits. They're just consumers. And eventually we all just, we just get fat and lazy and tired and bored of the things that we're watching. Everything has a cost. 
Even education now is an example of consumerism. This is just a quick little reminder that when we go to college campuses, uh, the, the libs really hate that because we're offering alternative viewpoints. And so the, the libs are now at the University of Buffalo, where I spoke this past semester, they've now disbanded the YAF chapter. And at the University of Pittsburgh, where I spoke to lots of, I was going to say protest, it was really a riot outside where they burned me in effigy, let the street on fire and threw an explosive at the building. Uh, there at the University of Pittsburgh, they're trying to shake down the student group that invited me for $18,000 to cover security costs for their people, the people that they egged on to come and try to attack us. So ADF, the Alliance Defending Freedom, is is suing uh, young Americans for freedom, is taking these guys to court. You know, th- these, these groups are fighting back. And it is kind of odd that it's both of the events that are at the center of these lawsuits happen to be events where I was speaking. Little old me, can you imagine? Anyone wouldn't want me to come speak. But we, we conservatives need to get a lot more comfortable engaging in this kind of stuff. In serious lawfare, in wielding the power of the state against these institutions, going after the university endowments, go, just going after the libs at their power centers and taking that power back. Now, speaking of academic life and professors, Cornell West, is running for president. He is a leftist who taught at Harvard and he taught at Princeton and he's very eccentric and he's produced rap albums and he's a really colorful figure. Cornell West was asked what he thought about appealing to Trump voters and he had a very telling answer. What specifically do you think that people who are ardent Trump supporters are going to be receptive to in your message? Well, one, I don't believe that they're homogeneous and monolithic. About one out of ten, ten for them, or ten of them voted for Brother Bernie himself. They were looking for an alternative because they see through the hypocrisy of the Democratic Party, talking about justice on the one hand but tied to big money on the other. And so, I want to go back to those folk and recognize when I see a Trump supporter, I don't see a stereotype. I see a human being, many of them who are wounded, and and too many of them follow a neo-fascist Pied Piper rather than an alternative. It's like a jazz band, my dear sister, like Bill Evans on the piano with Miles Davis' quintet. He's a white brother. He ain't a white ally. He's in the band. It's, it's Bill Evans in a Miles Davis quintet. I really like that imagery. And it's not just some silly line from a fringe candidate. Say what you will about Cornell West. He's got a lot of academic pedigree. He's taught at the top institutions in the country, some of them at least. And he's, he's a more serious political thinker than many people in the Democrat Party. And he's got more in common with Trump supporters than he has in common with Biden supporters in many ways. He calls Trump a fascist. He's a radical leftist on his policy. But he's got more in common with the Trump people. How is that? Because, as uh, Patrick Deneen writes in a great new book called Regime Change, Patrick Deneen is a conservative professor who wrote this book, Why Liberalism Failed, where he said, we need to move past liberalism, not just progressive liberalism, but classical liberalism too. Uh, professor Deneen points out that the old political battles between uh, the left and the right, the conservatives and the leftists or whatever, is breaking down into a, a more fundamental political distinction. The few and the many, the few elites who happen to be liberal elites today in both parties, in the uniparty, and, and the many, the people who, who are disenfranchised, sometimes explicitly and more often practically. 
And, and so you'll see candidates on the left and on the right and candidates who are really hard to pin down. You'll see a, a RFK Jr. He's a Kennedy. The guy's a Democrat. You'll see a Cornell West. He's a leftist. You'll see a Donald Trump. He's kind of a conservative Republican. He's kind of not though. You see all of these guys talking about the same sorts of issues and be broadly appealing to the people. And as that liberal elite establishment sees its power and popularity with the people being pulled away, it's going to clamp down a lot harder. It's going to erect big fences in Washington, D.C. It's going to change the election rules such that people are disenfranchised through fraud and through widespread mail-in ballots and ballots being stuffed in lockers in Michigan and all the rest. It's going to use the power even of the military when it can, or the top brass of the military, to undermine the, the people's representatives and the people's preferred uh, policy outcomes in red states, like, uh, and even in blue states, frankly, to say we don't want to trans your kids or, or, or the rest of it. It's, it's going to clamp down harder and harder and harder. And you're going to see more of these apparently fringe candidates talking in a populist way. You're going to expect more populism, though, and they're going to be less and less fringe over time. Now, when the political order breaks down, you probably want a tangible asset. You probably want to check out Birch Gold. Right now, Tex Knowles to 98, 98, 98. Congress once again has allowed itself to be pushed into appeasing the administration and raising the debt ceiling for the 79th time, paving the way for continued reckless spending and further devaluation of the dollar. As the national debt continues to skyrocket, how are you protecting your savings? Times like these are a great reminder to diversify a portion of your savings into gold. You can do that with the help of Birch Gold. They are the people that I trust to get me my gold. So do thousands of other concerned savers. Birch Gold will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into an IRA in gold. You do not have to pay a penny out of pocket. When currencies fail, gold is a safe haven. How much more time does the dollar have? Protect your savings with gold. Birch Gold has an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, thousands of happy customers. Right now, text Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S, to 989898. Get your free info kit on gold. That is Knowles. Text Knowles to 989898. Now, finally, finally, we've arrived at my favorite time of the week when I get to hear from you in the mailbag. This mailbag is sponsored by Pure Talk. Go to puretalk.com slash Knowles for 50-50% off your first month when you sign up for unlimited talk text and unlimited data. Take it away. Hello, Michael. I met my wife eight years ago when we were both hardcore libs. When we got engaged, I was somewhat skeptical, and by the time we were married, I was officially red-pilled. She remains a diehard liberal feminist, and I listen to the Michael Knowles show. This has become a difficult marriage. I'm committed to my wife. I love her absolutely and respect the vows I have made, but our different views of the world are an extreme problem now. Do you have any advice? Sorry to hear that. That's very tough. Uh, you're not the first guy that this has happened to, and there might be a happy ending here. I would dig in and say, okay, why did your views start to change? What did it? Maybe it was me. I don't know. You say you listen to the show. That'd be great. Or maybe it was you heard something from someone else, or maybe it was a conversation at work, or maybe it was something in politics. I would start there, and I would have some patience with your wife because it's probably a pretty jarring thing. You guys were both libs. You got into this thing being both libs, and then you really changed your view of the world. So I'd have some patience with her to bring her along with it. In the past, people would say, oh, who cares if you disagree on politics? 
you know, it's, it's okay. Best marriage I've ever seen in my life is the marriage of my grandparents who were married for nearly 70 years. And my grandmother's a Democrat. My grandfather was a Republican and it was never a problem. But that was back when the parties weren't all that different. And when the, the differences within the parties were not quite so fundamental as they are now. I mean, now the differences in the parties are what is a man? What is a woman? What is marriage? What is a country? You know, really fundamental stuff that we used to all agree on. So it does matter. It's going to be very hard to have a divided political household that way. I would just gently try to pull your wife along and answer questions that she has. I would, I would allow her to lead it. You know, uh, if she goes off about some Trump person or whatever, say, well, Adam, why do you think that guy's so wrong? Yeah, look, I used to think it was wrong too. You know, I would always come from a position of love and understanding. Yeah, I was there too, but this is kind of what changed my mind. And maybe you're not there yet, but I don't know, I think you'll see over time. I think you're going to come to agree with me on these things. Because what you don't want to have happen is, is have her follow her political party further and further and further away. Because one of the things the parties disagree on now is what marriage is. And, and so that's a real threat to you because you could find yourselves in, in a marriage where you don't even really uh, agree on your common endeavor. So I, I would try to, try to pull her along gently with sugar uh, now while, while there's still hope. Next question. Hey, Michael. So I am in my early 20s. I have had guys ask me out before, but I have always said no, primarily out of fear of I don't even know what. Um, I've never been in a relationship. I've never had my first kiss. I've never been anywhere close to either of those. Um, I guess I'm scared of what my family would say because they always poke fun at me for being innocent, I guess you could say. And I'm just scared. I don't know. Um, but someday I do want to have kids. I do want to be married. Um, so I just want your advice because you are the love guru of the Daily Wire. Thank you. Great question. No need to feel embarrassed about this. In many ways, your position is much better than the opposite and, and probably the more common alternative these days, which is, you know, someone has never said no to a date and has, you know, gotten into some trouble and done some naughty things that she shouldn't have done with lots of different guys. So if you had to choose between very, very innocent and, you know, slutted it up for many years and now regrets it, you're in the better position, but you're not in a permanent position. It's not ideal. You, you want to get married and have kids. Okay. So what should you do? Probably say yes to the dates. What are you afraid of? That your family will giggle at you? Okay. Who cares? What are you afraid of? That maybe the date won't go well? Okay. Then you go on another date with another guy. What are you afraid of? That you won't know how to kiss the guy? Don't worry. You're lucky. You're the woman. So you're in the more passive role traditionally in the courtship process. Well, what are you afraid of? That uh, you might let your emotions get carried away with you. You might fall in love with the guy. You should be so lucky. What are you afraid of? That it's too late and you're in your 20s and you're, you're going to be embarrassed? Oh my goodness gracious. People ruin their lives for fear of failure. 
The only way to, the only way to, to guarantee failure is to <laughs> never try anything <laughs> and never allow yourself the, the risk of failing. That's the only way to guarantee that you will fail. And plenty of people fail in love all the time, and you probably will, you know, once or twice. And so best get started. It doesn't sound like your problem is meeting men, which is what a lot of people write in this. I don't know where to meet people. It sounds like you're meeting people, you're being asked out. If you're not, you know, then go to meet people at church. You can meet people through, well, your family might not be that helpful. So meet people through some friends or maybe at work, though that's a little dicey, or friends of people at work, and you can do that. And then say yes and go get drinks, and that's okay. And you might not know exactly where you stand, and you might, a lot of women fall prey to this, especially sweet, young, innocent women like you. They feel such anxiety that they would rather rush toward an unpleasant outcome, the outcome of being alone or the outcome of not going on the date or whatever. They, they would rather rush toward that and, and just say no than live in the anxiety of, does he like me or where are we going to go on the date? Should, did I, should, should I have said that thing that I said? Should I? No. But love induces anxiety and longing and all of those feelings, butterflies in your stomach. Yeah. Right. That's it. That's, that's what it's all about. That's part of the process. It's very pleasant, even if it doesn't always feel that way. So yeah, say yes. Next one. Hey, Dirty Mike. Mr. Reality here again. Thanks for taking my call last time. Uh, I had a political hypothetical for you. Uh, wondering if this has crossed your mind about how this whole Trump indictment going to jail thing could actually blow up in the Democrats' faces. Um, do you think it's possible, likely, or what are your thoughts on if Trump gets convicted, if he goes to jail, obviously DeSantis would win the nomination for the Republican Party, and say he wins the election, then he pardons Trump, Trump gets out, and the Democrats have now set the precedent for indicting and arresting all of these corrupt political officials on their side who the Republicans have just ignored for a very long time. Do you see this sort of thing possibly turning into almost a Supreme Court situation where because of uh, the Democrats making it easy to confirm Supreme Court justices, they ended up several years down the road having Roe v. Wade overturned. Do you see something similar with this? Hmm. Oh, you're saying with like lifting filibusters. Okay. Well, there's a little confusion, I think, in your view of things. And and it's a little bit of a rosy picture. Would that it were so simple, wouldn't that be great? But I go back to the first part. You said Trump gets indicted. Well, he's already indicted. Trump is convicted. He goes to jail. So then DeSantis is the nominee. I, I don't think that's what happens. I think Trump would still be the nominee, probably even if he were convicted. He'd probably be the nominee, especially if he were convicted, because it would seem so unjust. And it makes the whole story of 2024 about him. And he can run for president from, he could win the presidency from prison. So that's the first part. Second part is who, would either of those guys beat Joe Biden? Right now, there's a poll just came out. I forget who put the poll out. Shows that Trump beats Biden nationally. It's a national poll too, though, so it doesn't get into the details of all the states. But at least from the national perspective, Trump right now is narrowly beating Biden and, and Joe Biden is beating DeSantis head to head. So again, those numbers could all change, but that's where it stands right now. And then three, let's say a Republican gets in, would they start to go after the Democrats? Probably not. One, because Republicans are often very squishy. But two, because we would have to be able to wield the, the uh, machinery of the state to go after them. And Democrats right now own that machinery of the state, regardless of who's the president. So I think that would be much, much harder to do. And then will that 
will the Democrat overreach impel some kind of conservative, you know, revolution, making it easier to confirm Supreme Court judges? Well, don't forget, the Democrats first made it much harder to confirm Supreme Court justices. With, With the torpedoing of Robert Bork's nomination and the later attempted torpedoing of Clarence Thomas's nomination, the, the Democrats made that much, much more contentious. And, and uh, so, yes, the conservatives finally have gotten some of our judges through, and maybe that's fired up the judges. I hope the one thing I would be hopeful for is that it shows conservatives the stakes here, that we're not all just playing by the rules, and there's not just uh, some nice, you know, happy principled stance on, you know, rolling over and letting our opponents win. I hope they realize how serious the stakes are to pardon not only Trump and go after the opponents, but you know, is this secretly, this is going to fire us up. No, we might lose now, but we're going to win later. Now you win by winning. You don't win by losing. Okay. Let's get to the last voicemail bag question. Hey, Michael, you helped me get rid of the body last mailbag. And uh, now I'm able to ask you this question. So I wanted to know what is your opinion on languages and should the USA maybe focus more on learning them? Uh, I'm here in Croatia, we lean quite heavily on the languages because we speak uh, Croatian, which is kind of the same as Serbian. Uh, so the English is practically a necessity to, to be able to uh, leave the Croatian work and be competitive on the job. And obviously, you, you studied Italian, which is uh, quite close to us. Uh, I live in Rijeka, which has been under Italians for a long time, so it is quite integrated in the culture. Uh, yeah, love love what you do, even from Croatia. We still haven't reached the USA level yet, and interested to know. I'm so pleased to hear that we're being played in Croatia. This is really fabulous. Uh, and yes, the Croatians, they're like the stepbrothers of the Italians, sometimes and under the same household, sometimes not. And I, I do think it would be good for Americans to study more languages. In part, not because we need to, I don't know, we need to be able to speak to the Venezuelans better or something like that, which is what the liberals say we need to study languages for, but because when you study languages, it it allows you to see the world in a different way. It actually changes your consciousness in in a a way. So you can engage with other cultures. Yes, that's true. You, You can read other literature, which is very, very helpful, but it also just shakes you out of your uh, narrow vision of the world. Because words not only color the way we view the world, but in many ways they constitute the way that we view the world. That's why the libs try to manipulate language so much. That's why they make that such an important part of their political uh, program. I mean, this is what I wrote about in my number one national best-selling book. Mm, I was testing the guys. No, guys, no, I didn't say it. I didn't say it. I was, they, they were too quick on the draw there. Uh, so I think it's very good to do that. And one thing we could study here would be Latin. I'd recommend that. If you study Latin, there's a reason all the libs in the 19th century tried to kill those, so, and the 20th century, the so-called dead languages, you know, Latin, ancient Greek. Uh, they don't want us to read those because that's, if we can't read those things, it's going to cut us off from the traditional culture, traditional works of art and literature and liturgy. So it'd be good to get back into those as well. Okay, it's Fake Headline Friday. I need your help to ascertain which the real and fake headlines are. So head on over to dailywire.com slash Knowles. Become a member. Use code Knowles at checkout for two months free on all annual plans.